You're locked on to DRM1 United. This is Soundbites. As always, I'm joined by Peter. How are you? Good, thanks. Russell, yourself? I'm very well. Now, if you were tuned in last week, you would know that we were trying to talk about where are the aliens <laughs> and someone kind of got off topic and dragged it out for a whole hour uh, talking about space and galaxies and the Milky Way and all that kind of stuff. So, part two today. Part two. With Russell trying to stay uh, <laughs> on topic, which I tell you, it's going to be very difficult, but I will do my best. Um, you're, so, very, you're very good at thinking broadly. Well, I'm an IT nerd. I have to. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But um, w- let's give a overview of last week's show. All right. So last week, what we were talking about was um, the fact that our universe is very, very big. Um, and especially our galaxy, the Milky Way, is also very big. Uh, it's 13.8 million years old. Um, sorry, did I say million or billion? Billion no, years old, um, approximately. And our sun and our uh, planet uh, are roughly around four. Po- well, our planet certainly is about 4.5 billion years of age. Um, and because we're on one of the spiral arms of our Milky Way galaxy, it means that we were one of the last planets and solar systems. Uh, to form. So the ones that are closer to the centre of our Milky Way galaxy, um, they've been around for a lot longer than we have. And as a kid, I always used to stare up into the night sky and uh, just wonder, are there aliens and are they looking back at us and are they thinking the same things that you know we're thinking, uh, that sort of stuff. Because I was always a sci-fi geek. Uh, I used to love all my sci-fi shows. You know, if it had something to do with space or if it had a robot in it, I was stuck in front of the television watching it. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, you said just to be, uh, just want to, uh, the first time Russell's getting off topic just slightly, and we will, it's important why we get off topic yeah. on this one. Uh, off air, you said that the Challenger, the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster happened today. It happened actually on the January 28th, so yesterday, so yesterday. Um, at uh, 11.39 and 13 seconds Eastern Standard Time, that's US Eastern yeah. Standard Time, of course, or 1639.13 UTC. Uh, the location that happened was Atlantic Oceans off the coast of Florida. Um, now, the do you remember that? Like, I, I, I wasn't born in 1986, so uh, <laughs> that's not me. But. Okay. Well, I was in high school. Uh, I do remember it, uh, and it was a very somber day um, when the Challenger blew up. Uh, and... Most people will probably remember um, that uh, on top of the six astronauts, uh, there was a seventh astronaut, which was a teacher. Uh, yeah. And uh, what made it probably very um, uh, distressing uh, was that a lot of students were tuned in, especially her own students that she was the teacher for, uh, were watching it as well. So it was uh, highly televised um, because she was the first a civilian, if you like, yeah. um, to go up on the Challenger space shuttle. And and the outcome of that disaster, and that's the only word for it, uh, was the grounding of the space shuttle fleet for nearly three years, during which vigorous safety measures, solid rocket booster redesigns, and a new policy on managing decisions deci- decision-making for future launches were implemented. Yeah, so the... But, what happened was is that the seals um, of the uh, solid booster rockets, um, they, they were not really designed to operate at such a cold starting temperature. And on the day, it was a very cold day. And in fact, the days leading up to it were very cold days. 
uh, and quite a number of the engineers uh, raised this as a concern, yeah. but ultimately um, they signed off on it saying it should be safe. Uh, and then, unfortunately, um, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, um, but uh, we can only learn from these things, and and it, it just goes to prove that space is uh, wildly exciting, but it's also extremely dangerous. Um, and uh, we always need to take as many precautions as we can when dealing with it, travelling through it, or um, doing anything um, that might put humans at risk. Yeah, and, and it's, I guess we, we are going to get back on topic because coming up on the 1st of February, so I think it's important that we mention this one as well, was the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster. Um, it happened 17 years ago, so it'll be 18 come mm. uh, what day it will be uh, Monday, so we won't be here. So good time to talk about this right now, um, where basically this one... Uh, was a failure was of a the heat shield. Yeah, so it, on re-entry, I think. It was re-entry, so they had completed their mission, um, but actually during takeoff, uh, a bit of debris hit some of the heat uh, tiles on the wing yep. um, and dislodged them, and sadly that uh, allowed for a um, critical failure of the heat shield in that area, which then led on to catastrophic um, failure throughout the structure of the, the spacecraft. I, th- I think I remember... That during before they re-entered, there was like they they knew all the risk and they did send out and I'm pretty sure they sent out the did the spacewalk to check on the damage to make sure that yeah it, so they they were aware that there was damage because when they reviewed the footage of the um, Columbia taking off uh, and they saw the strike uh, against the heat shield yeah um, and the heat shield tiles they they really are just um yeah they're big but they're just ceramic they're not uh, yeah. They're not actually designed to uh, withstand too many impacts. Um, and, and in fact, what would happen after every space shuttle landing, um, the heat shield would be inspected and most of the tiles would come off and be replaced. Yeah. So they really sort of were uh, at best a one-use um, heat shield only. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the thing was is that they had to bring the shuttle back down. Uh, it couldn't just stay up there indefinitely and there was no way of sending anything else up there to dock with it and bring the pilots across or the bring the, sorry, the astronauts across. Um, so they didn't believe that um, the damage was as bad as uh, they, well, they were hoping it wasn't as bad as it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, as, uh, again, as history shows, um, unfortunately that wasn't the case and uh, we lost all those astronauts too. It is really interesting because if you, I'm on the Wikipedia page here and um, the uh, ground impact, so the body of crew members quote, had lethal level injuries uh, caused by ground impact. The official NASA report uh, omitted some of the more graphic details on the recovery of the remains. uh, Witnesses reported findings such as skulls, human heart, a portion of an upper torso, and part of a femur bones uh, just near the crash site. So... Really disturbing images that 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 gives you, but just shows you the severity of coming yeah. so it, in at that type yeah. of speed. But you know, moving forward uh, to today, so both SpaceX and Blue Horizon, so um, Elon Musk's um, company and Jeff yeah. Bezos's space company, both of those now, when they design their rockets, so you would have seen um, the um, Falcon Heavy. 
Yeah. Um, they all have um, the facility for the space capsule, so the where the crew is, mm. to actually eject away from the rocket itself. So uh, that and that's fantastic. It's, I, I I think technology is great. Um, that we've come that far. It's going to be interesting, I think, because SpaceX, Boeing, uh, Jeff Bezos's company—they've all had failures. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an industry to watch. It's a dangerous industry. I think that's the the, the lesson we're learning. Well, we should have learned by now that it's a dangerous in- industry. Um, the fact that they are putting safe measures in for takeoff is going to be seen. Uh, what I'm guess I'm looking at now is what's the procedure for the entry because I take it they still have the foam or the tile system to some extent or um, how's that been improved? So with the um, Falcon rockets, so you've got multiple levels of the Falcon rocket. So you've got the boosters, um, which are just basically giant fuel tanks. Um, and they don't go all the way into the outer atmosphere. So yep. that's only the Starship that goes out into the um, atmosphere. Um, whereas the Starship does something a bit different um, than uh, a, a normal re-entering capsule or rocket would do. Mm. And, they, and, and it sort of does this belly flop, if you like, yeah. which helps to slow it down. But it also spreads the heat around um, the underside of the... Um, craft itself yep. um, and uh, on top of that it's it's made of a different material so um, it's actually a, a, a cold rolled stainless steel um, they were trying to make it out of a composite material which was carbon fiber uh, but they realized that good old-fashioned stainless steel is it's <laughs> works better, out better yeah. it's cheaper and it's actually more durable um, and it mostly can do more with atmos- yeah, atmosphere. And, and they come down in a bit more of a controlled fashion, whereas the uh, what a lot of people didn't realise is the space shuttle itself, um, it, it only had minimum thruster capability. When it re-entered the Earth, it literally was just falling back down. Um, yep. And uh, it glided. It was more of a glider than a plane when it was in our atmosphere, uh, whereas the Starships, um, the, uh, Fal- uh, the SpaceX Starships, um, have, have a lot more control because it lands uh, vertically. Basically, it just lands back on the launch pad so it can be refueled or put back on top of a solid fuel booster. I, 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 yes, and I, I, I agree with that one. But the interesting thing, I'm looking at a picture right here of the SpaceX, Dra- uh, the SpaceX Crew Dragon now compared to the shuttle. Mm. I'm sure that NASA back in the early days of space shuttle or space exploration didn't use the shuttle program. They had a capsule program where well, they, they, they used to did. capsule it and the parachutes would come out. Yeah, so, so that, that was on the Apollo missions that went to the moon. So SpaceX has kind of gone back to basics in a way. From, and I'm talking about the capsule itself, not necessarily the whole thing. So there's the Crew Dragon, which according to this picture is, which I'll just fling, fling the screen so you can see, uh, is a capsule. It is. Yeah, so the, the space shuttle... If you look at the space shuttle, only the the very front bit could house the crew. The rest yeah. was just cargo. Yeah. Open car. It's like a big truck, if yep. you like, or a big bus with the doors that opened up um, to get cargo out. So um, it, it, there wasn't really much in it um, mm. apart from that. And right at the back, you had the uh, the engines, um, whereas the SpaceX capsule is a separate item. 
um, and it sits on top of either the Falcon 9 or the BFG, the big Falcon rocket, <laughs> uh, as uh, Elon likes to call it. Yep. Um, uh, some of his fans have called it the big effing rocket. Um, it keeps exploding on, on tests. Well, that's what they want, though. Um, those tests are designed; they're pushed to the limit. So, what they want to do is find out what the failure rate is, yeah. or where where are the failure points um, in the um, design of the rocket. Because the, the the boosters themselves are really just big fuel tanks. That's all they oh, are. Totally, but uh, and they house the the rockets. But uh, because they're reusable, unlike the space shuttle, uh, uh, the, the space idea, shuttle was reusable. It was, but it required a lot of maintenance. Yeah. Uh, in between uses. So it wasn't as reusable as um, it was purported to be. And in fact, it didn't reduce launch costs by much at all mm. because if you look at it, the large solid booster had to be replaced. The two side boosters had to be replaced. Um, and uh, really it was just the, the shuttle itself that you know the heat shielding needed to be replaced. It needed to go through a whole heap of servicing. Um, it, 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 I just... I just and maybe it's the good thing that SpaceX has gone back to the Apollo days for inspiration, in well, a way. Yeah, they've, they've not only have well, they haven't. What what they've done is they've taken what we've known with rockets and they've improved it by basically reusing everything. The only thing that I think is not reusable is the nose cone flanges, um, which is the bits that sit on top of um, the rocket, the rocket itself, to help it. Um, go through the atmosphere, and then once it gets to a certain height, they get ejected. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yep. Send so, that, yep. Uh, so th- I, but I, I think the last time I heard Elon talking about this, um, he was saying that they also want to reuse those as well. Um, so therefore, what happens is that the boosters, which are the fuel tanks, um, they land back on the launch pads um, so they can just be refueled and used again for the next, uh, yep. next rocket uh, or next crew capsule or um, uh, Starship. And and therefore you reduce the costs. I think, and and realistically, to make it, anyone would know that to privatize space, you need to basically make it reusable. You need to make it a profitable business model. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, but I also see the problem is all it will take potentially. I'm not saying that this will happen. Is for one of their recycled rockets to be reused, blow up during takeoff, even knowing they will have safety procedures and all that. But if their safety procedures aren't working or if they haven't thought of everything, it could also be the end of SpaceX or whatever company it is um, because your investors might go, oh, too dangerous, you've just yeah. killed people. I'm not I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that totally because we've had airline crashes um, and we haven't, walked away from the airline industry. Um, space is very, very profitable. Um, oh, mining, yeah. We talked about this. You keep going week. back to mining space. <laughs> <laughs> that is so far into the future, it's not funny. Not uh, if Elon Musk wants to get to Mars. <laughs> no, not even. I mean, he he will set up a mining facility on Mars. Oh. Um, but uh, I'm <laughs> investing in mining. <laughs> well, look, you can invest in it. Absolutely, go for it. Um, let's I'll be just dead by then. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the time you see your return on investment, uh, unless, you know, we, we go back to one of the podcasts we had several weeks ago on um, life extension, yep. uh, then maybe we'll all live long enough to get a return on investment live long on, and prosper. on um, Mars yeah. or, sorry, space mining. 
So should we really get on to our topic of Yeah, we should, because aliens? you're very good at taking us away from it. I think, that, no, we're talking about space uh, devices, the capsules and that, because of the Challenger disaster and the Columbus disaster, Columbia, Columbia disaster. I just did pull up a picture of the Endeavour as it's sitting at a museum at NASA. Bit of history. Like yeah, six. it's actually very, very um, sad. When I was at the Smithsonian um, in Washington, um, they had parts of – they didn't have an entire shuttle there. Yep. Um, but it is. It's actually um, uh, an important step for us. In, uh, but it actually also was the beginning of the end of the NASA space um, – uh, sorry, the moon – uh, or lunar program, yeah. Um, because that's when we sort of stopped going further out, and we started focusing on uh, low, medium, and high orbit missions. Well, hopefully Elon Musk knows what he's doing, and we can go to Pluto. I do love my Pluto, even though it's no longer a planet. I know it's a dwarf star. Isn't it's it? a dwarf planet. Yeah. Yeah. This is Sound Bites, and we're talking aliens. Why can I not hear myself? Can you hear yourself? Um, yeah, I can hear yeah, myself. Sorry, I just had to turn my volume up, that's all. There you go, all fixed. So we're talking aliens. We are talking aliens, and more to the point, where are they? You know, um, essentially, we should be seeing lots of them, um, uh, with, uh, especially even with our level of technology that we have now, um, even though we might not be able to speak their language or not even know what their technology is, um, there are things about life that we do know. Um, activity produces heat and energy and all that sort of stuff. Um, so at the very least, we should be seeing uh, unexplained heat signatures on planets uh, in the Goldilocks zones of their stars, which is like Earth. It's far enough away uh, from the sun not to burn to a crisp like poor old Mercury um, and uh, close enough to be warm uh, and not to freeze over like our, um, well, Pluto, our poor little dwarf planet Pluto. But what if, because we're talking aliens, m- meaning they could be totally different to us, what if instead of a heat signature, they're cold-blooded instead of warm-blooded? Because so that means that it would be a cold signature, not a heat signature. So I'm not talking about the heat generated by their bodies. I'm talking about the heat generated by their civilization. So much like us, um, we could have um, um, cities in very, very cold climates, but the fact that we would be generating power, um, that we're transmitting that power, um, that we might even use heat to... Um, well, we would use heat to either keep ourselves alive um, or to cook with or just to generally do activity with. Even our computers, our, all that sort of stuff generates heat. So we would see those sorts of heat signatures. And in fact, that would be really good because if we knew the planet was really, really cold and then we kept coming up with all these unexplained heat signatures, um, then we would have to start asking, is that volcanic activity or is it something else? But what if... Or chemical uh, activity. But, okay, there would have been a time before we had technology that uh, there would not be heat signatures from industrial revolutions and all that kind of stuff here on Earth because talking about times of, like, pyramid days or caveman days, like, what if the civilization or the aliens were in that type of time? So all human activity produces some sort of a- atmospheric change. 
Um, similarly with um, how we thought that Venus was, uh, had a chemical reaction going on in the atmosphere, that is usually only generated by life. Um, there are other reasons for it, but generally speaking, it's a good indicator. So whilst it wouldn't be um, conclusive proof, it would, be, it would give us pause to look further into what's going on in that planet uh, and to sort of see, is that more indicator of life or is it something that is just unique to that planet's own composition? Okay, so where are, let's dive into where are the aliens. Come on, you tell so me where, <laughs> where are the aliens. I want to know what planet, what time, where do I have to look, what do I have to do to find these aliens? Well, uh, if, look, if I could answer that, uh, I'd be <laughs> first of all working on my Nobel Prize speech uh, and also trying to figure out how to get to um, Europe so I can collect it. Uh, so es essentially what we're doing is we're doing a number of things to try and find um, these planets. And with more and more telescopes, more and more um, uh, satellites that we're launching uh, to look for these things, uh, we are discovering actually that there are lots of um, habitable planets uh, within the universe. Um, and, that, and that's why we're sort of a bit puzzled. You know, if, if that's the case, if these planets that can harbour life um, are so numerous, then why aren't we seeing lots of aliens? Why aren't we seeing any sort of evidence of either early civilizations or future civilizations? You know, but we're not seeing it. So I could give you the re religious answer. Yeah, I'm not interested in religious <laughs> answers. Um, God put us here, not anywhere else. Well, God only wanted one civilization. And that's it. Yeah, that's certainly one potential, highly controversial. Well, you know, I, I don't think I'm stretching it when I say completely lacking of any evidence. Oh, totally. Um, <laughs> to, <laughs> totally. To, to, I'm, just, I'm just saying that could be the, the uh, reason to... Yeah, that's a bit of a God of the gaps fallacy, though. Um, you know, whenever we don't have an answer, it, God must have done it. You know, it, it's sort of the <laughs> thing that comes into effect. Okay, so... I can think of other reasons. And, okay, tell us some other reasons. And actually... I would love to be able to take the credit for it, but I can't. Oh, it damn. was actually um, Enrico Fermi, who also um, many years ago, back in the 50s, um, uh, said exactly this. He was the first, well, he was the first to publish this sort of a question of where are all these aliens? Um, and since then, um, we've come up with uh, the Drake equation, which was uh, done by uh, an astrophysicist. Uh, and he came up with this equation to calculate, well, what is the likelihood of um, aliens? Uh, and it had seven key components to it. Uh, and it, the Drake equation actually listed that the probability of uh, intelligent life out there would be quite numerous as well. So to answer that question, so where are they? One of the proposed answers to that is that there is the great filter theory. Um, and what that means is, is that there is a filter that complex intelligent life um, encounters that um, they just cannot see beyond. Some people are saying that it's actually a good thing we haven't seen any advanced civilizations because it potentially means that whatever this great filter is, it could either be behind us, so we as a species are the only ones who have gotten past it. Um, uh, whereas if we were to see lots and lots of alien intelligent life out there, it might suggest that this great filter is ahead of us uh, and we are yet to face it. We don't, and, and the problem for us is we don't know what this filter is. Um, we don't know whether we have passed it. So was it the fact that we managed to not blow ourselves up by nuclear war yet? Uh, was it as something as simple as 
the asteroid wiping out the dinosaurs and then letting the mammals um, become the dominant uh, species on the planet, which led to the primates, which led to us? Um, or could it, even if we go back even further to uh, the very beginning of uh, multicellular life, where one big cell once ate a mitochondria cell and that mitochondria gave that big cell a lot more energy than it could ever generate on its own um, and therefore it, it um, led to more complex life being formed. So could, it, could that have been the great filter? We, we simply don't know because we have nothing to compare it against. We don't have any ancient alien ruins we can look through and see what it was that um, uh, stopped them. Um, and, and, and whatever it is. So if, the, if there is a great filter um, that is before us, then every alien species, every intelligent alien species must have evolved to encounter it in some way. Um, so whether it was like, a, hey, this new super intelligent AI is going to be the best thing we've ever created. It's going to look after us and give us all the answers to everything. Uh, they flick the switch and it turns against them in you know your Terminator <laughs> movies type fashion. Yeah. Um, or was it uh, you know are we still yet to have a nuclear war and wipe ourselves out? Um, is that what happened to other species? Did they create um, a virus um, that went rampant? Sounds uh, like you're saying no. what the future is. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about. It. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not pretending to know. <laughs> I, I look. I don't know. I I I think we both don't know on this topic, and I think that that is why this topic is so interesting to so many researchers and and uh, aliens, uh, not alien watchers, but well, there are alien watchers, space watchers. That's what mm. I'm trying to say. Um, it's an interesting concept that there might be a filter. And we're not talking about the filter on your glasses, people. We're talking about different type yeah. of filter. But you, yeah, I guess what we can't see, we can't see. And so, and so this is the thing, because um, sometimes people think of, um, say, developmental setbacks. Um, you know, For example, if you're a dinosaur and watch the asteroid hit and that wiped out all your, the majority of your species, um, well, that was only 100, oh, sorry, 65 million years of a setback, but it didn't stop life on Earth. So this great filter, whatever it is, um, seems to eliminate all forms of life on the planet. Um, and it could and it could actually, it doesn't necessarily need to be a disaster. It could actually be something really, really um, beneficial, something really wonderful, um, matrix style. Everyone plugs into this computer that gives them all this fantastic experience and they love it and they don't ever want to leave. Well, we keep rubbing the back of our neck, so maybe we are plugged in. Maybe we are. Maybe. maybe, are. maybe. I mean, it could just be a niche. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, look, I, there is just too much space to know what is out there. As in, I asked my science teacher, because we were doing science about space, and I said, we know the width and di- di- the, the width and of Earth, for example, mm. and we know that Earth has a fixed atmosphere because it has an atmosphere, it has an ozone and all that kind of stuff. But no one can answer how big space is. Is space the same as Earth? You needed a bit of science okay. teacher. So my my theory was, this was my theory, and we're going back to when I was like 14. Okay. So because space is round, uh, sorry, because Earth is round and it has a, a, a width and a height, yeah. my thinking was space would have a width and a height as well. Sort of, yeah. Because there has to be an end to space. If there's an end to Earth, there has to be an end to space. I, I, I get the concept that people say there's not, yeah. but yeah. the evidence shows 
that planets and yeah. stars have a width and a height. Yeah. The sun has a width and a height. Yeah. The Milky Way has a width and a height. Yeah. Other galaxies have a width and a height yeah. or length and a width. Yeah. So space should have, in going on the evidence of other planets and other systems and all that kind of stuff, space should have an end. There should be an end to that somewhere. And I'm only going by the, by the logic of, not science logic, but of, well, Earth has an end. The galaxy, Milky Way galaxy has an end. Other galaxies have an end. The sun has an end. So surely space has an end. Okay. But we'll never be able to know for sure. No, we do. And that's why you probably needed a, a science teacher who was probably a bit more versed in Space. Uh, space and <laughs> physics. Maybe we uh, needed to live in the, in the United Einstein's States. Einstein's <laughs> many theories, not to mention his one on um, the space-time continuum um, and that space is curvilinear. So if you were to travel it long and fast and wide and whatever enough, uh, you would eventually arrive back at the same point. So, oh, so you're saying that we go around in circles, like a roundabout? <laughs> you're rolling your eyes. <laughs> you know, remember how before the show I said stay on topic? <laughs> you know how we're not anywhere near the topic right now. No, no, because uh, so to let me let, okay. So let me unpack everything you said. Okay, come on, and let's start again. So yes, we do know that there are boundaries to the universe. Um, so you you were talking about the universe that we know of. So we have what's called the observable universe. So as far as we can go. Um, and far as we can see. But you've got to remember that the further things are away from us, by the time the light reaches us, that we can observe it, it shifts. It, it's called redshifting. The wavelengths actually get longer and longer, which means that it's harder for us to observe. But one of the things we have seen is that we've seen the um, boundary of mm. what was originally the Big Bang explosion. And so we can, we've actually mapped um, the, uh, the radiation from that Big Bang expansion, um, the Great Expansion. It wasn't a, an explosion. It was an expansion, a rapid expansion. Yeah. So we can watch that boundary. And so we can actually see the boundary of the, the, the Big Bang. Mm. So we do know how big the universe is. So your science teacher was wrong in that regard, or unless you remembered what they said incorrectly. But we do know that, that distance. Um, what we do also know is that we are in a very unique portion of time because in about 100 million years any future civilizations won't see that boundary because its distance will be so far it continues to expand away from us so it's continuing to expand um we think one day it might actually start to contract as the energy that pushes it outwards starts to run out which is what we think of as uh dark energy um but what will eventually happen uh, or what will eventually happen before the contraction starts is, is that that boundary will no longer be visible. So alien life uh, or intelligent alien life developing at that point in time will look out and not see this boundary that we saw. And so they might not come up with the concept of a Big Bang. They might still uh, – they might come up with very many different theories of how the universe started because they don't know that there was a, once a boundary and that uh, that boundary was expanding away. Interesting. And in fact, all the galaxies within – um, so our Milky Way galaxy, our closest neighbour, the Andromeda galaxy, and all the other galaxies, they are also expanding away. So our ability to reach any other galaxy um, is going to be 
getting harder and harder. Uh, except for Andromeda, which is actually heading towards us. We're going to about smash into them. Oh, um, lovely. That's, that's great. Yeah, so the Milky Way and Andromeda are going to smash into each other. Uh, I can't remember the time frame. I think it's something like 200 billion years or something like that. Oh. You know, by that stage, I might be quite old, and I, I don't know if I'll be, up, I'll be able to stay awake to watch it happening. Uh, uh, so they say, this is on Wikipedia, that the uh, 4.5 billion years... Now, I don't have a date of when this was, so I can't tell you exactly what day... They were, but... I think it's a Tuesday it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, getting back to the topic of aliens, where are they? So we're talking about the great filters that are either behind us, which means if we're the only species that have managed to get past it, um, then this whole galaxy, our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, um, really is, is ours uh, to observe um, and... You sort of have to wonder, will we ever reach out? Will we ever go out there? Will we ever find the ruins of any other alien um, civilization? Um, or if the filter is ahead of us, then we need to be very, very cautious because we don't actually know what the boundaries of technology are. Are we close to the boundary of technology, of knowing everything we need to know, of developing everything we can develop? Um, or is it miles away and we've still got plenty of room for um, innovation? Um, and so, you know, and, and being able to achieve faster than light travel to be able to explore these um, planets uh, would have to be one of the key things we'd need to develop. So going back to our topic of where are the aliens, maybe the aliens are coming towards us. They could be. Um, As in the two galaxies that are going, not, not the Milky Way, the uh, Andromeda. Andromeda Milky, the, Mil- the Andromeda system is, has that life and maybe they're and coming. And it could be coming. It could be coming. I mean, it'll be, you know... Billions of years. Yeah, we'd, we'd have to certainly keep ourselves entertained until that happens because it's uh, going to be a long time away. Um, but so, the, so therefore, talking about um, space and travelling space, um, what we're doing now uh, is we, we are looking at um, the planets circling various stars uh, and we are working on what is the composition of those planets uh, what's their atmosphere? What are they? What is the actual planet surface made up of? Uh, and is that something that sits in the habitable zone, or what um, some people like to call the Goldilocks zone, which is not too hot and not too cold? But what is most essential is: is there liquid water? Uh, is there liquid, and preferably is there liquid water on the surface? Because it's very hard to get chemical reactions happening without some sort of um, fluid dynamics happening as well to mix all these things together. Interesting, interesting. So, sorry, I'm just I, because I now know the when the two systems are going to collide. I'm just trying to figure out when the sun explodes. Well, our sun's going to explode in about I think it's what is it, four point five billion years? That's how no, yeah, four point about four point four point eight five billion years from now. Or? And this is so okay. So it's a, okay. So we we still got a f- let's say four billion years gap between the two galaxies coming together. Yeah. So without the sun. Yeah. So we're going to have to. We need to become an interplanetary species if we want to avoid our own destruction. But on top of that, you've got to remember in four, even in three billion years' time or two billion years' time, so even when the sun's still got plenty of, you know, juice left in it, um, whatever intelligent species will be inhabiting this planet, they will be our descendants, but they will have evolved. Um, So they might not be human at all. They might be just as distant... um, from us as we are to Neanderthals or the um, 
uh, you know, a- any of the other primates that uh, uh, haven't made it as far as we have. Ostrop- uh, now I can't remember the names, but uh, um, they are... Uh, they are in my head somewhere. Um, somewhere, yeah. Uh, you know, you're, 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 your brain is full of storage. I know that. It is. And, you know, honestly, <laughs> and, sometimes and filtering it through it can take a while. So It's, it's, it is interesting because I'm like going, okay, well, let's, let's say that humans stay on Earth until the sun ex- collapses, as is. We know that the vital thing that humans need is sun to survive. Now, according to YouTube documentary, documents, videos, things. Uh, I can't pronounce the words today. Um, without sun, we would basically not have fruit growing or trees growing and all that kind of stuff. So nature would basically die in a, in a sense. Yeah. So we do need to figure out something to do, as in well, aliens or moving or yeah. or if we make an artificial star Turn into a well, sun. Well, what will happen when our sun burns through the majority of its hydrogen? What its um, mass will change, and therefore its ability to hold on to its shape because its gravity or gravitational field will be a lot less or weakened, which is why it will expand out. Um, but then, as it expands out and burns off the rest of um, what's keeping it firing, the hydrogen and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that's when it starts to collapse in on itself. So what's remaining will collapse in and it will become um, a very dense and possibly a black hole. I was going to say a black hole. I was like, I'm sure they said it was going to come up. Yeah, but that doesn't hole. mean we'll be sucked into it. That's not how black holes work. Well, no, apparently not. No, apparently black, black holes aren't a vacuum cleaner. Apparently they're the gateway to another universe. Well, no, really. <laughs> if, you, if you go Star Wars or Star Trek. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back, to, back on the aliens yeah, for a second. Yeah, back to our topic. <laughs> We know this is joyfully impo- take us this away is, from. This is really important information to know because why would the aliens come to Earth if a sun is going to explode or collapse and and the life is no longer valid? Well, they 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 could just be curious. You know, who are these funny little apes that make big concrete structures? Aren't they cute? Um, but they're always so angry at each other. Um, or you know, they might come and rescue us the day before it happens. Well, they could. They might want to count to see how many there are and how big a ship they need to herd us all into and take yeah. us away to somewhere safe. Um, it's Processing probably, plant. probably is probably. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if they would come all this way just to harvest us. I mean, that, that's well, a that's a very energy intensive thing to do. Maybe they like kind of they like they like meat and they're like, oh, there's a lot of meat on that planet. Let's go get it. Yeah, but they could produce their own anywhere if they if they've got the technology to come all the way here and back and keep us fresh. If, if you want to use that terminology, um, surely oh. gen- creating meat won't be a. You know, it, it's like saying, "Oh, well, we have to build a space shuttle and all this sort of stuff," but really, all that we want to do is just sail a paper boat down a little river. You know, so well, we can well, do that. We don't have to do all this other complex stuff to do that. Maybe we're looking at it from. Uh, I'm looking at it from a point of view as. Once upon a time, we didn't have trucks taking sh- sheep to the. The port to ship over to another country to export. Maybe that's what that alien species now does: is they export human or export other alien life to make their bonamati food. Right. You know, do, do you want to think about that one for a bit, a bit longer? <laughs> because, I think I'm going to be delicious. <laughs> you probably will. But I don't think you're going to be eaten by aliens. <laughs> Not yet. 
Well, uh, or ever. I don't think they would come all this way just to eat us. No. And I don't think they'd come all this way just to, to mine our resources. Because, again, it's, it's a very intensive way of... And, and, and when I talk about intensiveness, I'm talking about energy-expending intensiveness. It's a very energy-expending way to obtain a resource, which if they can go anywhere, why not go somewhere where there isn't a, a, a population that's going to put up some form of defence, whether it's feeble or not? Do you reckon that... Okay, let's say there was aliens. For a second, let's just go that there are aliens and they're coming for us. Yep. But we don't know if they're good or evil. Do you really... Do you think that we would have the technology to put a, quote, shield around our... Nope. So you... We've got nothing. We would be doomed. Um, if they're bad, we would be doomed. We could probably play a lot of our, you know, really bad artists, and hopefully <laughs> that might scare them away. <laughs> what? The, um, what? Hang on, name some artists. Yeah. Well, uh, well the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I want. What yeah. I really, really want. Yeah, yeah, that might scare them away. That might. That, it might <laughs> vibrate on a frequency that disturbs their sensory oh, God. organs. Yeah, um, maybe. Some death metal white. We don't. We don't have any type of. Long-range weaponry. No. Um, certainly not that I know of. I mean, if even if we do, it's not something that can travel fast enough that would take, you know, a, an alien race by surprise and they go, "Oh dear, we didn't see that coming." Well, if you look at what Sa- I believe it's Samsung, they've designed for airports, laser airplane blockers, where they can, it's designed for drones, where they can knock out drones and that are flying in restricted areas. Maybe that's our defence capability if aliens do start coming in on big ships that we have high-powered lasers that can heat up the air around them, crash their their aircraft, and kaboom. I've thought way too much about this. Not enough. Um, If you think about spacecraft, one of the things spacecraft can do is deal with heat dissipation, heat really well, especially if they're planning on entering atmospheres. Just not our spacecrafts, apparently. We're still learning. We are still learning. And that's uh, what I meant by that. No disrespect to anyone that lost their family members on those crews. Um, but we we are still learning about heat and energy and science and well, other planets and galaxies. and. Yeah, it's more an engineering issue now. Uh, I mean, we have, uh, we have a fairly good understanding of orbital, orbital dynamics and launch dynamics and those sorts of things. So it's, it's more engineering issues. Um, and, you know, every time we develop better materials and better processes and better um, equipment, um, we, we do get a bit further each time. Um, and Elon, especially Elon, uh, because he has such big dreams. Um, and, but, you know, he also has a very good knack of making his dreams become reality. Um, so uh, it, it won't surprise me that him and his team will overcome a lot of the problems um, that they will, uh, that you know, we have, um, or the or the technical challenges. Um, I actually think that uh, he has a very good chance of success. I mean, he, when he started SpaceX, he actually didn't expect it to to work. No, um, he said it would send him broke. Yeah, he said it would send him broke, but you know, somebody had to give it a go. Um, and look at him now. He's uh, not only has he gotten past all those hurdles, um, and each one almost sent him broke, but um, he's now. He's um, now the richest man in the world, almost. I yeah. think. And I think he's no, he is the, rich- the richest man in the world. Okay, so let me um, let's 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 talk about aliens for a second because this theory of where are the aliens had to have started somewhere. Like Enrico uh, Fermi, uh, were you not listening earlier? No, no, no. no, no. 
we know where it started from that point of view. But imagine being the person who started the theory. Oh, look up there, there's a UFO. Well, look up there, there's an alien. Look over there, there's there's ET. Look at the military, they're doing this. Like those conspiracy theorists that we don't know if they're actually conspiracy theorists. We say they are because they haven't been able to give us any proof yeah. that there are what yeah. they say is true. Yeah. But they started how, like okay, we understand that there's a person that started it. But what made that person start a theory? Well, they probably saw something. And Maybe they're mad. What they... Well, look. To, to come up with the word alien, like, to come up with the word UFO, or to come up with a word that is extraterrestrial, they had to have either of thought about this really, really long, or, like, it just... The well, fact we got to the to the, to this in the first place, as in, oh, there must be alien life out there. Oh, they look over there. There's a UFO. Whoever, however, that started, the, the, the guy or girl must have had a really interesting life. Well, I don't, I don't know how interesting their life was, um, and it's probably it could have been the exact opposite. They were so bored that they used to stare out into the. Universe. What if this is the biggest hoax in the universe? Uh, as in, there is no such thing as aliens. There is no such thing as UFOs. It's just a big. Well, we're, we're all here by ourselves, and this was just a big hoax, yeah, like that, a prank. Yeah, but that—that's what I've been sort of trying to say. Well, I just got there. Okay, okay. I just—you so just, just, finally I just, just caught up. I, I finally got on the right road. Okay. So, so okay, I can certainly <laughs> tell you theories of, or not theories, but stories about where some of these observations started. So, um, about a century ago, one of. Um, Oh, gosh, the name escapes me. Uh, one astronomer was looking through his telescope and, and particularly paying close attention to Mars, and he saw what he believed were canals on Mars. So he thought that that was this evidence of um, a, a Martian civilization, um, and he called it the canale, um, which was the Italian word. So I think he obviously was an Italian um, astronomer. Um, and, and for a good 60, 70, 80 years, I believe, we, we actually thought that that meant that there was life on Mars. Um, but then later on, we, with more powerful telescopes, we realised that there wasn't actually any liquid water, um, but they were the remnants of evidence that there used to be liquid water on Mars. Um, so Mars used to have an atmosphere. Uh, unfortunately, the, um, the gravitational field around uh, Mars um, and its um, electromagnetic... Uh, yeah. um, Magnetic atmosphere was yeah. not strong enough to stop it being eroded away by solar radiation and solar winds. Um, similarly, with Venus, which is my second favorite planet of our solar system. Why? Because I love Venus. Oh, okay. I, I thought because was Venus is our sister planet. It's roughly the same size as us. It has roughly the same, um, well, before it had a runaway climate, it had a very similar um, atmospheric density than us. Uh, it also had a very similar um, uh gravitational pull mm-hmm. as ours does um, and it did actually have uh, harbour um, liquid water. It had an environment very similar to us before it's uh, had a runaway climate um, and er- certainly in the early days of our solar system when the sun wasn't as strong as it is now, uh, it was a very habitable environment. It really was our sister planet um, in all those things and if we were to colonise another planet um, although I know everyone looks at Mars as the 
next possible one. Venus also has a lot of going for it. Not so much on the planet, because the planet is completely uninhabitable, but because the atmosphere is so dense, we could actually build um, floating cities in the sky. Uh, so anyone who's a Star Wars fan, um, thinking of the sky cities, um, we could actually do that in the Venetian atmosphere, uh, high above all the sulfuric acids and uh, stuff uh, floating around in its lower atmosphere. Um, but couldn't we use the the lower atmosphere as mining? Like, okay, yeah, so let's could, say we let's say we've got the floating space space yeah. stations. Yeah. Couldn't we just suck? Like, I don't know what's methane, yeah. which is a great methane power gas. source. So we just suck it up in the vacuum cleaner, yeah. and, and vacuum. that's what would power our cities. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, we've we 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 maybe we're the aliens. Yeah, but anyway, so Venus, uh, going back to it, um, did have at one stage a very habitable atmosphere, and who knows, there might even be on the surface. Um, evidence of some form of life that has long gone. Um, the, the problem with the Venus surface is that it's so inhospitable mm -hmm. that uh, even the Russian Venera space probes that did manage to land on the planet no. only functioned for about half an hour before they completely corroded and fell apart. But at least they got something out. Yeah, they got some photos out, which is... Yeah, um, which is better than yeah. nothing. Which yeah, so the US sent the Mariners, and uh, that which was only a couple of them, whereas um, Russia, who has a bigger love affair with Venus than I do, um, sent over 30 probes over the last 50 years, uh, and the Venera space um, probes were the most successful and uh, robust. And that, that's the thing, like, that in itself, I bet you they, the Russian space agency learned a lot of Ross lessons Cosmos. about... A lot, lot, learnt a lot of lessons about, okay, if we're going to do it again, how can we build our equipment to withstand that atmosphere, hopefully. I don't know what data they got out of it, except for okay. some photos, but maybe they, they, they're they developing... Oh, they did get other... They got um, lots of um, information regarding the atmosphere composition, the temperature, all those sorts of things. So maybe, maybe they might revisit it and figure out more well, information. Th their economy is a bit not yeah. there yet. But you know, well, Russia, you, you don't know. don't underestimate the Ruskies. No, they they've got they've <laughs> they've still got their space station. Uh, yeah. What other planets are you interested? Because in? I'm looking at Saturn at the moment. Um, lots of rocks around that planet, or moons? No, the ring around it. What's the oh, ring? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't so even know what the ring's made out of. So, well, it's usually small particles of ice and rock. Yeah. So another mining possibility there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, see, Saturn, the bigger, the, our gas giants, Saturn and, and Jupiter, have so many moons around them that actually we, we might even be able to um, create habitable... Um, um, space stations. Yeah, or mining facilities on those. Yeah. And I'm not sure how we got back onto space mining. No, well, I'm just thinking from the point of view, is if we're going to explore this galaxy, yeah. we do have to, as you said last week, we do have to... Yeah, we do need to we do need to do it, and we do need to make figure a, it out a residential zone because then we can sell it to aliens. Well, I don't know about that last step, but if no, there no, are no. aliens out there and they like the concept of commerce and trade, and exactly. we have something in our asteroid belt, whether it's the asteroid belt itself um, uh, or the Kyber belt further out, it could be anything. Um, then yeah, we would have to mine it. But and yeah. also, part of they can't have Pluto though. <laughs> All I'm going to say is part of the governments is they like to trade a lot. So no doubt if there is an actual alien uh, colony out there somewhere, part of that diplomatic, hopefully friendly uh, communication Strange. is that we will trade something that they need and something that we want. Um, 
and not go, where they and are. not go to space war like uh, uh, every Donald other Trump. science fiction. Yeah, <laughs> Donald Trump has put space the space force force together, which yeah. hopefully Biden acts as. I, 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 well, there there is um, there is a, an international agreement not to weaponize space, so um, which, is, which is why we don't really have a space weaponized defense shield thing against anything plus on top of that it's it's very actually complicated um creating space based weapons absolutely because of best I, I guess a bullet won't be traveling very f- well it would travel the speed of hang on a bullet wouldn't fire in space because there's no oxygen correct science well, it, it is it is propelled but it wouldn't go very far well yeah you got to remember the distances in space are very, very vast. So by the time the bullet got to, if you saw it, if you <laughs> saw the flash point and you knew a bullet was heading towards you, oh, you could easily you, get you out just of the sort way. of get out of the way. Yeah. yeah, but if you're in close proximity, then maybe. If you're in close proximity, you've got bigger things to worry you're, about. You're most probably better off just throwing a dart. Well, you know, surprisingly, you don't actually need. Well, all you need is more concussive force. So you don't actually need any exploding force. So, for example, if I want to do obliterate a city, if I had simple metal pole um, and launched it at that city from space, you know, from a far yeah. enough distance and it gathered enough momentum, its concussive force when it hits the surface of the earth um, would be more powerful than some atomic totally, bombs. Totally, uh, but I'm t- I'm, I, was just, I, I was just talking about from space to space, so yeah. war in space. Yeah, it's it, not easy. It's, it would be a lot of laser weapons and plasma weapons and all that kind of stuff. And we don't Which have, we have none of we those. Don't <laughs> <laughs> no, we've got <laughs> plasma cutters. Here on Earth, we have plasma cutters that cut that. that so we're going to send up a whole heap of people with plasma cutters to. I'm not saying it's going to work, <laughs> <laughs> but it is an interesting topic. Um, that is lit. We're four minutes over time. Okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway, besides all of that, the the topic really, what I really wanted to convey was is that um, it's it's interesting to consider if we are alone and if we are the only intelligent species um, in our observable galaxy, our Milky Way galaxy, then as a species do we have, is there an imperative upon us to survive uh, and explore um, or do we just you know, Exist. keep running the risks of ignoring climate change or threatening each other with nuclear weapons and fighting over little resources? But that's the thing, we, are, we, we as a... We as civilized, like we as people, like I'm not talking about government here. I'm talking about the everyday people, aren't really fighting with each other. It's the governments fighting with each other to get the most resources for their country or to get the best for their country, to, which supposedly helps the people underneath them. That where would that go if there was an alien apocalypse and they're coming for us, for example, because. All of a sudden, it switches from oh, we're all enemies to we're frenemies. Frenemies. Well, it's not unusual for it's when, when, with world when, wars. when uh, tribal, uh, you know, tribe uh, or rivaling groups threatened by a common foe that exceeds their individual ability to resist will band together. But does that mean once if we succeed and we get rid of them, will we just go back to our infighting or will we actually have learned something about it? Oh, um, no, but no. actually, it is interesting. There is a there is a set of protocols um, written there? by the United Nations and signed by um, the majority of the world governments uh, saying that if we do detect 
um, alien intelligent alien life, um, how we will proceed. So will we? Well, the the concept of making direct contact is different to we've already been broadcasting that we're here. So yeah, it's it's an interesting concept that why we what. Okay, yes, I understand people want to find aliens if there's alien life out there. But in a way, also, maybe it's better to just not broadcast well, and, that and you're... Professor Stephen Hawking was very much in that camp of we don't want to find ET and tell them where we are. Um, but ju- just the simple fact that we use radio and television and any sort of transmitting, um, we already have, over the last hundred years, we now have a signal from us that radiates out from yeah. the planet, which has already travelled 100 light years. Yeah. Um, and it's expanding. So it's already reached our closest stars. Um, or Sorry, it will be reaching our closest but stars. The, but, and it all comes down to do they have the technology to, uh, tra- to read that wave or to, to understand what those waves mean or to... Because... So yeah, so good question because what that means is that the waves that they are getting from us, so our transmission, they're not as... Um, intact, yeah. um, as when we first broadcast them. If you recall earlier, I was saying the further things have to travel, um, they start to elongate. The signal, the yeah. wavelengths start to elongate. But what they will detect, so whilst they might not be able to decipher what it is, you know, is this you know, you know, an old TV show, they won't be able to decipher that. Yeah. But what they will see is that this pattern uh, of this transmission, or there is a pattern in the transmission, which means that it is artificially created. Um, and that's what we do. When we look out and we receive um, transmissions that we hear in space, we look to see if there's any pattern to them uh, and if that pattern is uh, coherent uh, or if it's repeated. And, and we saw back in, I think it was 1977 or 1976, the WOW signal, yep. um, which was a very strong broadcast, um, but we only ever received it once. Um, we also hang on, hang on. we only received it once. Well, we only received it once, so it never happened again. So we don't know whether it was some sort of aberration, whether it was just uh, uh, the remnants of some solar flare somewhere from an, another star, not ours. Um, you know, so the, the wow signal, it was called. Um, but we also have had a lot of false um, signals as well. Yeah. We had one uh, because our instruments that we use to detect these signals and to look into space and to see if we can find any evidence of intelligent life um, are so um, sensitive. We once thought we had found a repeating signal um, until we tracked it all the way down uh, and we realised it was the Coming. microwave oven in the staff room of one of the research facilities. So, Jesus. Which which was a pity because they were really excited by the fact that this thing was coming on on a regular... Um, yeah, every time someone's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I, I, it's an interesting conversation to have and one that I think we'll, we, we will... We'll have to swing back to this one later Yeah. Uh, on what have we detected so far? What, what, what have been our best... Detections, uh, detections yeah. Detections, yep. yeah. It, it is interesting because I'm just looking at the WOW symbol, uh, signal signal on uh, Wikipedia and they've circled for some reason 6EQUJ5. Yeah, so... I don't understand that. So what it is, if you look at all the numbers surrounding that, most of those numbers are in the very low range, whereas in just that small group, there were a very strong signal detected. So if you think of static, all those ones and twos and threes, yeah. that's just background static. You would hear yeah. that. So imagine if you're watching 
you know, back in the old days of analog TV, if you had your TV on and it, you'd fallen asleep in front of it and you woke up and all you could see was this static. And then for a brief second, this image appeared and then disappeared. So, in other words, this could be, and I'm not saying it is, but we could have, in 1977, 15th of August... Oh, I was right. Uh, this could have been, and I'm not saying it was, but this could have been a distress call from another civilization that they only had one pulse of wave to send out, and that's all they had before their civilization collapsed or the spaceship they were on blew up or whatever, and we could have missed it. As in, we reco- we recorded it, but we we, didn't, we don't understand it. So we don't understand it. We, we were... I wonder if anyone has gone back and restudied this. Oh, it's been looked at many times. Because to me, they're just... Okay, I'm going to get well, my... What if it's an encrypted message? Well, it's too short to be... For us, anyway. For us, it's too short. But even when we... What if it spells help? It could spell... What could we do about it? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Trying. Yeah. What if it was geolocation coordinates? Well, but space coordinates. Yeah. So you got to remember this. This is not a. Co- it's not a cohesive message. Uh, maybe it's encrypted. It 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 could have been. <laughs> I'm just saying we don't know, and unfortunately, we will never. Well, we may never know. I won't say we will never know because I'm sure that there's some AI computer these days, supercomputer, trying to process all this information. Well, I think what. The leading theory now. I haven't read this for a long time, but I think the leading theory on it was that it was a fast radio burst, um, which is something that comes out of pulsars. It's quasars? naturally emitted from hydrogen. Oh, that, there you go. So according to the okay, so I should read this, and I'm going to get it hor- horribly wrong because um, it's just me. But in 1959, paper uh, Connell University. Uh, physicist Philip Morrison and I'm sorry I cannot pronounce your name. Uh, Kokoni was her, the person's last name. Has speculated that any es- extraterrestrial civilization attempting to communicate via radio waves might do use might do so using a frequency of 1,420 megahertz or uh, in brackets 21 centimeters, which is naturally emitted by hydrogen. There you go. So it might look. Like a hydrogen radio wave or a hydrogen burst. Yeah. And we may have not been able to um, understand that back. Um, well, actually, I don't clearly. think so because we used that same formula, that 21 centimeter wave formula on. Remember last week we talked about the Voyager and the yep. Pioneer space probes? Yep. And we attach disks to them. Yep. Uh, and so any alien life uh, finding those disks, what we did is we put on there the symbol of the hydrogen atom and the 21 centimeter wave and we use that as the basis of how to interpret the rest of the symbols so we assume that any intelligent life that found it would know what a hydrogen atom is yeah so a single nuclei um, orbited by a single electron um, and that would represent and then we had the wave yeah and you know, we indicated the distance, not 21 centimetres, because we knew that they might have a completely different yeah. numbering system. Um, but then we said from that, then we... What year was that? What what year did we actually start doing the the the, the disk space things? So, uh, the Was it after 1977? No, uh, I think the Voyagers were launched in 76... And Pioneer in 77. So could this be, and I'm not saying it is, but could, because if, they're, if they were launched before 1977, 
They didn't get far enough out for any alien life to... No, no, but been... could that beam that came back be from that? Like, uh, if they were launched before this date, and then this date came, could it have just been of a... Could have been. ...mistransmission um, that... I'm not saying it was... Maybe we, it was we a, te- a... We had a few um, um, probes heading out around those times. I'm just... Because it just sounds... it's It's... You're talking about this as in this this 21 centimeters and this megahertz is what we used or what is used. It just sounds to me like maybe this was just a glitch that happened that came from came back. Maybe it was a yeah. test broadcast that wasn't yeah. meant to be. It only lasted 72 seconds, like uh, according to the <laughs> information that I see on the screen. So maybe it was just a, a glitch of crossing waves or... It could have been. I, I did say we had no idea what well, it was. Yeah, well, <laughs> did they even figure out how s- strong this pulse was? The wow signal? Yeah, the wow signal. Like they say it's weak, but they don't say how weak. Well, it was strong enough to be noticed but, amongst the background noise. And, it, and that's the thing. So it doesn't seem like it was that far, if it was strong. Well, we don't know where it originated from. Can you attach a geolocation next time, please, um, to anyone listening? <laughs> just, just or te- any extraterrestrials listening? Yeah, just just tell us where to find you. Like, even if you don't know exactly whether it's north, south, east, west, just give us a number. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it. Give us yeah. a number nine. <laughs> you know, the old map system, the yeah, race through systems. Yeah, just yeah, give yeah. us a nine, and we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, we'll figure yeah, it out from yeah. there. Um, maybe, maybe that's what they were trying to say. Six E and J five. I'm joking, um, but anyway, <laughs> maybe the book is called the the Q Q U to the universe. Well, there you go. So, they, and they, see, I'm they, defi- de- de- deciphering this. Maybe we need to buy the 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 uh, Q universe directory, and we need to go to J five. Well, I think if you like to decipher things, maybe you might want to start with the Voynich manuscript. The what? Yeah, there we go. That might be another show. <laughs> the what? The manuscript? I'm the not Voynich. ready. The Voynich. The so- Voynich. Don't go looking it up. We didn't even barely touch the topic we're supposed to be looking at. Oh, come on. This is an interesting topic. Just it is an interesting topic. Why I picked it. Uh, but, uh, it. And it's an interesting topic from the point of view. And if, if you have enjoyed this, this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you wonder why I go off topic, it's because I have no idea what he's talking about. But <laughs> it, I find it interesting. And... If I find it interesting, I'm sure other people find it interesting. Um, I do hope that there's ET out there. And, I do and too. I don't mean ET as in anything um, offensive to, to our extraterrestrial friends, but that's what we know of you. <laughs> that, you. Your name could be Bob or Sarah. Well, introduce yourselves and let's find yeah, out. Yeah, like, like send us a beep, beep, beep. Bring some scones and we'll really? bring the jam and cream. Okay. On that note, we're out of here. Um, <laughs> or a Boston uh, bun. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Soundbites for another Friday night. Again, over time, but that's okay because it's a big it's, topic. It's a big topic, and and I'm going to send off an email to our our national space station people and see if we can get an interview with someone. I tell you what, though, anyone who wants to help for the look uh, to search for alien life, get into the SETI website. You can download some software onto your computer, and it will run as a screensaver when you're not using it. Hang on, a uh, SETI. SETI, S-E-T-I, the SETI Institute. They're the search for extraterrestrial intelligent life. Um, and what that software will do is when you're not using your computer, it will crunch through all the data that they get from all their various um, uh, telescopes and 
uh, satellites. Uh, okay. And uh, you might be the person who finds the next wow signal. But it, but it won't be... You won't get recognition for that, will you? Well, you will. I mean, you'll probably get a nice little statue or a plaque or... So you can... You can I'm literally on their website right now. So it's S-E-T-I. Uh, forward slash join us if yeah. you want to join us. Um, and uh, become a star. Yeah. So you can... Help search for extraterrestrial. I was say they could do. They could update their website, but I get it. They're not, not for profit. Not for profit. So maybe some web developers can give them a hand and yeah. help them out there. Maybe Oops. Jeff Bezos can give them some Amazon service. Wouldn't be a to, bad idea to, to run. So join the citizen science team. And they're located in the United States. Yeah. So there you go. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it because quite frankly it, it sounds interesting to me. Oh, they want donations now. Where do I download this thing? I want to download their software, but apparently I can't download their software. Well, we'll, we'll have a better We will find it we and finish. we'll put a link on the, on the website because I think a lot of people want to help yeah. science. in. Yeah. But and, and you can also get it for your smart devices as well. So when you're charging them at night and you're asleep, it could be working away. Which is most probably what I would do because at the end of the day, I most probably would. The more computing power we can get onto this, the better. It's like uh, not changing... Well, yes, changing a little bit, but they do it for cancer research. Yes, they do. They do it for, for um, the other type of research. Yeah, there's lots there. of so ways that you can contribute to scientific discovery. Isn't it amazing how our phones these days are very powerful and can actually help researchers? Yeah, well, you so know, to give you an idea of how powerful... Even just our watches are more powerful than the computers they sent up on the first Apollo rockets to put us on the moon. So yeah. there you go. Anyway, we are out of here for another week. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, like us on Facebook, and uh, tune in next Friday at 6 p.m. where I don't know if there's going to be a part three. No, we'll come back to this we'll topic. We'll come back to this topic. I so. think next week we'll do some of the unsolved mysteries of the, of the modern age. Ooh, I want to know what the unsolved mysteries might be. Yeah, me too. I've got a week to find out. I know. I, I'm t- <laughs> I'm going to say, I can't say, I, I, I think we all know who killed all the presidents. That no, nobody cares about that. No one cares about that? Okay. Um, yeah, Unsolved Mysteries, okay. Oh, you know, the, from things like the Marie Celeste to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that went straight in my head, ladies and gentlemen. There's some great Unsolved Mysteries out there, so... If um, you have a mystery that you want us to solve, yeah. give us a call. <laughs> yeah. No, just send us a message. If you, Scooby-Doo style. Yeah. Is Casper real? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> okay, we're out of here. Bye. Bye. <laughs>